for tuning in. This is episode number 88, and today I want to deliver a teaching that I've been spending some time on. Um, as you may have noticed, a little gap between the last episode and this one, but uh, had the opportunity to to give a teaching and spent some, some time on that, putting it together, and, um, and so thankful for that opportunity. And uh, just, if you would, be in prayer for for the work that God wants to do through that, and and uh, I would appreciate it, but I do want to share this with you, and I think it will be of uh, great benefit. Um, when I prepared my heart to, uh, to to pursue what it is that God wanted me to to share, uh, I asked Him uh, to make clear to me what that He wants His people to know. He immediately said about my spirit. Now, one of the most divisive conversations in the church today is the Holy Spirit. Some have very strong feelings regarding this topic, and some would rather stay away altogether. But in light of the commission, my focus and highlight will be on Him, the Spirit. Now, I will declare up front, I'm by no means an expert, nor do I have all the answers, but I have walked closely with God over the past four years, developed a relationship with Him that I've never known possible. This has been by the work of the Spirit. My determination to be in nearness and intimacy with God has taught me what it means to contend for something. The most meaningful resource we all have is time. Where and how you spend your time tells you what you value most. So I pray that our time here quickens you into desire for God. Secondly, I pray that this teaching sheds light on the person of Holy Spirit that births in you a desire to know Him intimately and walk hand in hand by his leading that creates a passion in you to yield, receive, and embrace his working in and through your life. Holy Spirit is our friend, our comforter, our helper, the very power of God, being himself God and worthy of our love, affection, and worship. Do not think of a vertical line of hierarchy between Father, Son, and Spirit. In one regard, think more rightly of a horizontal line, putting the three on equal plane. But even more accurately, think of them in a circular fashion. Father, Son, and Spirit, circularly intertwined, continuously fashioned and never-ending of one into the other. I pray this teaching propels you into knowing the Holy Spirit more and as a byproduct of knowing Him, to trust Him more, hear Him more, depend on Him more, and yield to Him more. 
Now, the first question I pose is, who is the Spirit? Notice I spoke of him, not it, earlier. The Spirit is a he. The Spirit is a person, not limited by a physical body. This is a hard concept for us to grasp because we are finite beings housed in a physical body. Many of us require seeing to believe. But life as a follower of Christ is to have your faith in things you cannot always see. Now, we do this, if you think about it, every day and all day. Have faith in something, that is. We have faith that our cars will get us to where we are going. We have faith that our hearts will keep beating in our chest and our lungs will keep on breathing. We have faith that the other cars will stay in their lane as they drive and that those same cars will stop at stop signs and traffic lights. We express faith constantly. This idea of faith isn't a foreign one, but the devil wants faith in spiritual things to seem too far out there so that we live a life less than what God has desired for us. I said before that the Spirit is a person. The Spirit of God gives us much grace. But what if you were speaking of your spouse and you called them an it? That would likely get corrected very quickly and be somewhat insulting, especially since they possess a personal pronoun, he or she. I first want to walk through the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Now, to, to say ahead of time, I have many, many scripture in this teaching. Don't necessarily worry so much about following along each time. Um, of course, through this medium of, of a podcast, it's nice because you can hit pause, you can think about, you can chew on. So I pray that you do take advantage of that resource, but perhaps maybe the first time, just listen, and, and then maybe a second time around or so, you can, you can pause, you can visit, you can read, chew on, meditate. So I do encourage that um, if you're able. So, as we walk through the personhood of the Holy Spirit, notice the explicit He in these texts. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Romans eight twenty six says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In John fourteen fifteen through 17 Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper also translated advocate or counselor, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
Again, Jesus says in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Lastly, in John 15, 26, Jesus says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. We can see through these many texts that the Holy Spirit is precisely a he. Let us refer to his person correctly and grow in knowledge and understanding of the Spirit. The Spirit is referred to as a gift on numerous occasions in Scripture, knowing rightly that He is a gift, disarms any idea that we do anything to deserve, earn, or qualify ourselves for receipt of Him. Jesus ties the Holy Spirit to a gift by saying in Luke 11, 11-13, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Also, in Jesus' closing moments with his disciples, we read in Acts 1, 4-5, through 5, And while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise or gift of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 10.45 says, And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Lastly, Acts 8, 18-20, we find a converted magician identifying this gift of God. It says, Now when Simon, the previous magician, saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. We see clearly that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And since a gift is not earned, so too do we not deserve the Spirit. But it is God's good pleasure to let us enjoy the Spirit and learn of and from Him. The next aspect of the personhood of the Spirit is that he can express and feel emotion. A person can feel, and the same is true of the Spirit. Now this is F-E-E-L. In Ephesians 4.30, Paul writes, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve means to distress to be sad, to be in heaviness, sorrow, to be or make 
sorry. These are personhood emotions. In Isaiah 63.10, it says, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. These are examples of grieving the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10.29 says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? To outrage is to anger and insult, which cannot be experienced by a force or an it, only one with personhood. Another emotion the Spirit can feel or express is love. In Romans 15.30, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. The Spirit is love, but also expresses love. This is something that only one with personhood can do, not a force or an it. By these scriptures, we see that the Spirit feels, F-E-E-L-S. He can grieve, be angered or outraged, and also love. These are attributes of a person. So let us speak of and to him as a person as a he and a you. The Spirit was in the beginning with God, moving or brooding over the waters. In Genesis 1, 1 through 2, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. At the beginning of created time and space, we find the Holy Spirit present and moving. This Hebrew word for moving is rakoth, which means to be moved or affected, especially with the feeling of tender love, hence to cherish. So, we could say, and the Spirit of God was cherishing with tender love over the face of the waters. What was the Spirit cherishing? That which was about to be created by the spoken word of God. We see this in the word brooding, like a hen gathers in her nest, wanting to pull to herself her eggs that she wants to hatch, so too does the Spirit cherish that which comes to life. It is by and through the Spirit of God that life comes, and He not only enables that life, but He cherishes it and draws unto Himself that which will come to life fostering those conditions necessary to bring forth life, which is himself.
the next component to this teaching is the work of the Spirit. What is the ministry or work of the Spirit? While I'm sure I haven't included every item, I would encourage you to seek the scripture of what else the Spirit is to you and His work in us as children of God. Um, what I have currently is a fairly extensive list, um, and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, there are 20 items, and through each one, I will uh, discuss and highlight scripture. And so we will begin the journey of 20 uh, ministries or works of the Spirit. Number one, the Spirit is life-giving. In Matthew 1, 19-20, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her, Mary, quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, notice that last line. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The life that incubated in the belly of Mary was from the Spirit. That's powerful to consider. The incubating life of Jesus in the belly of Mary was from the Spirit. In Romans 8.11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit of God gives life. He is life giver. Number two, the Spirit is adopter. In Romans 8.15, we read, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It is the adoption of through the Spirit, that we realize we have been reunited to our Heavenly Father, allowing our heart's cry to be Father. Number three, the Spirit is our teacher and reminder. Jesus says in John fourteen twenty six, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us to remember and recall the things of God. He teaches us and brings us into the truth. Number four, the Spirit is wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. 1 Corinthians 2.9-12 says, But as it is written, 
what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The Holy Spirit helps us to know the heart of God and makes real to us the things given to us from God. Jesus says in John 16, 13 through 14, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit will declare to God's children the things that are to come. The Spirit will declare to us what is whispered between the Father and the Son. Now, I want to take just a moment to correct some misthinking. We have used the statement, He, the Spirit, will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And we have taken that statement to mean that the Spirit should not be worshipped. We have understood somehow that the Spirit of God has some measure of lesser authority or subservient quality to Him. Jesus did not speak using his own authority, but did that make him any lesser worthy of worship? Of course not. He chose to say what the Father was saying. The Spirit is the same. He himself is God, equal to and worthy as God. Even in his authority, he chooses to speak to us what is spoken of by the Father and the Son, Jesus. So we need to bring our view of the Spirit of God upward to the place where He rightfully belongs. Number five, the Spirit is the power giver. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It is from the Spirit that power is given to accomplish any work, whether it be great signs and miracles, the salvation of souls, or the ability to walk in step with the Spirit of God through a life of saying yes to Jesus' leadership over our lives. Paul says in Romans 15, 18 through 19, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. 
by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So here Paul attributes his power of word and deed, so what he says and what he does, Paul attributes this to the power of the Spirit of God. We need to the same type of, the same power of words and deeds, speaking and doing. We need this same power, but which comes alone by the Spirit of God. Number six, the Spirit is our seal and deposit guarantee. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Spirit of God is a down payment of the glory that believers get to experience in this life while we are prone to human limitation. Eternal life after this shell of a body passes, eternity with God will be a glorious thing to take full possession of. But for now, this life of the Spirit is a deposit. Number seven, the Spirit fills. It's F-I-L-L-S. And as I thought of how I could define this filling, I, I came, came upon the thought occupying space with himself. Luke one fifteen says, For he, John the Baptist, will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Luke 1, 41 says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1, 67 says, and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Acts 2, 1-4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Before I go on to the next example, I just I do want to backpedal a little and and point out something, especially in the time that we're in right now with the overturning and the United States of Roe v. Wade. I, I, I continue to, to, to think on these two verses, but here what we read, 
um, in Luke one fifteen, and the the commandment is John the Baptist must not drink strong drink or drink wine. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So we see the Holy Spirit filling a unborn, a unbirthed child in the womb of his mother. And then again, that that is a that is a uh, an that is impact that the spirit is having directly upon that unbirthed child living in the womb of of his mother. And then we see another step here in Luke one forty one, when it said when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In this moment, I see this very uniquely, this dynamic that's occurring. There is, Elizabeth is hearing Mary, and that baby is responding to what Elizabeth is hearing. And the baby leaps in her womb. And then Elizabeth responds to the baby's response. And, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. So there, in Luke one forty one, there is a beautiful dynamic that is happening where mother is processing and the baby responds to that. And then the mother responds to the baby's response. And so for us to say that we can, can at our own regard, end the life of our unbirthed child is ludicrous and, and an evil in the sight of God. And we see just in those two verses right there, we see something very special happening and both uniquely and intricately happening in the life of that unbirthed baby, but then also a dynamic dance that is happening between mother and baby and spirit. Okay. So I thank God that we are making headway um, and and standing in the face of evil that would say we have a right to end the lives of unbirthed children. So I praise God for that advancement. So continuing on, picking up where we left off. Again, this is under the spirit filling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G. Acts 4.8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. He said that then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. The Holy Spirit fills he fills and fills and fills. I don't know why we require multiple fillings. Dwight L. Moody, a famous evangelist, preacher, pastor, United States, um, and then abroad as well, when asked why he urges Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit, well, he said, I need a continual infilling because I leak why do we require, this is me speaking now, why do we require sleep every day? 
or food each day. Renewing and regenerating. The same is true of the Spirit's infilling. There is a work of grace done each time that I can't explain or prove, but I know I need it, desire it, and like it. Number eight, the Spirit is boldness giver. Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Number nine, the Spirit is our speaker. In Acts 4.25, it says, Who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said, By the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? Acts 1.16 says, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Matthew 10.19-20 says, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Mark expands on this slightly by saying in Mark 13, 11, And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak but the Holy Spirit. Number 10, the Spirit is intercessor. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In John 16, 6-7, Jesus says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, as I've thought on this verse, it, it, I find it to be very interesting. I believe there is a ministry here that is undiscovered and that I don't fully understand but also think that it may be tied to this aspect of intercession. Notice in that text that the Spirit will be sent, meaning he is not yet there. Also notice that it takes Jesus's absence for the Spirit to come. Because he says, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. So it takes Jesus's absence from them for the Spirit to come. 
I think that there is a ministry work at the Father's side that is ongoing and that when Jesus left the Father, the Spirit was ministering this role. But once Jesus ascended and returned to the Father's side, he became once again that Father's side ministry. And in that returned or restored role, he sends the Spirit. So I believe that there is something to the ministry of at the Father's side. So something to chew on there. And I think where we're at now, we will end this episode. Um, So there will be a part two uh, just because of the length of it. I pray that so far that this has ministered to you. This has taught you something, maybe reinforced something. Um, So we will continue on in the next episode with the remainder of this teaching. And we will see you on the next one. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you. And in your house, I'll.